Welcome to the Authentic Conviction Podcast. We are back after about a week or two layoff. It is now spring. I in the in the uh, in the colors of spring. I look like a like a multicolored Easter egg today. <laughs> you know, with spring comes renewal. becomes It comes a uh, a little bit of a refreshing mindset. I think to many. March Madness is going on. Easter's around the corner. And I actually be sitting on a beach in about a week with my toes in the sand in, in Destin, Florida. So, but uh, we are we are very lucky today. We've got uh, a guest with me here today that I've actually known for my gosh, probably how old are you? Thirty-seven. So probably thirty years. Had probably to be. thirty yeah, years. So uh, I'm gonna embarrass him a little bit, but uh, we have Doctor Justin McLaughlin. And I've known Dr. McLaughlin's family, um, really, since I can remember living in in Westchester, Ohio. Uh, His father was very, very involved with the wrestling program and fast pitch program, a lot of athletics in general at Lakota High School and all the Lakota schools, Liberty Junior, where I went, Mm -hmm. the best junior high. Um, And then uh, Justin's sister, Andrea, which which I call her Dre. Mm -hmm. I was going to say Andrea, but Dre (laughs) McLaughlin was an outstanding softball player as well. And I actually coached her in high school. And so, and uh, their mom, Gina, just a wonderful family. And you'll be able to tell from today's episode that they did a wonderful job raising Justin. And now he's involved at my alma mater, Miami University, and is very involved in the, in the School of Business. So uh, where else did we meet up at the one and only Sonder a couple months ago and realized, holy smokes, we got a lot of things to cover. So that was probably my, my longest entry to any podcast yet. But I want to say welcome to you, Justin, and uh, have have you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself that I didn't already tell. Thank you. Yeah, uh, you were the cool big brother uh, back oh, in the day. Man. Since I, you didn't have one. I, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I was like, who's that? Joe, he is awesome. I want to be just like him. And then 20 years later, we meet up at Sonder. I'm like, wow, you have done a lot since I've seen you the last time. So I'm very excited to be here. Thank you very much for inviting me. The The opportunity to teach young students at Miami in their first and second semester is the coolest thing I've ever done in my life. Like it's absolutely the best. I don't even want to call it a job because it's even more, it's a calling as cliche as that sounds. I finally figured out what I wanted to be when I grew up, Mm -hmm. which is in that classroom. And then, uh, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about, um, my, my business as well. It's, it's the perfect mix. And I would also love to believe that it's because of the great upbringing that I had, the parents that, you know, very well, the sister Mm -hmm. I'm blessed and, uh, and very thankful to be here today with you and mm-hmm. and join you on this great podcast i've really enjoyed listening to the episodes before yeah well thanks and and for those of you that can't see because our feet are below um but we we actually could be a shoe commercial we got the magnani's and the jordans going on here so maybe we hashtag that and uh, get a little shout out from both of them but he's rocking some really nice jordan ones those are some mid ones i, I, yep. I see you're working your game there and he got his gift for me you got his sonder flat bill that he's been craving because he, he can rock a flat bill with the best of them but uh yeah we you know it, it's a couple of the things that that uh well first of all justin you realized right when you walked in we don't script anything, you know, it's, Hey, what's the angle that we're, that we're trying to take here and what's our approach with this, with this episode. And I don't blindly pick people to come in and sit down just because, you know, I need a guest. We, we carefully pick the people we bring in. I've been really excited about this because we're planning, um, you know, uh, some, some visits to Oxford where I get to speak to your, your business students, which I can't wait. I can't wait either. 
your impact you've had. And ironically, we have a, a, a common thread. We got uh, Aisha is one of our interns that started with us, a Miami University student who is just, I, I think the world of her, she's just tremendous. You have an impact on these young people that are going to be entering the business world. And there's so many people and so many times, as you've heard probably, because you've listened to the ep episodes that, you know, we are really getting a lot of younger people listening to this. And the one thing that I've always noticed about you as it relates to one of my mentors, and this is somebody that I've never met, but I will eventually, but Gary V, mm -hmm. you know, he talks a lot about empathy, you know, and, and gratitude. And I think you really embrace those things. And I remember meeting you, know, when you and your wife, when we, when we met up at Sonder, just seeing, unless you're really good actors, you just seem so happy. And, and when you say you feel blessed, I truly believe that what you're saying, but um, tell us a little bit about, you know, what is it that you love so much about what you do on a daily basis at Miami University? And then we'll get into a little bit of your side hustle, which is actually pretty awesome. Sounds good. Yeah, I also am a huge fan of Gary Vee. In fact, when I'm not in the classroom, I'm often listening to Gary Vee's content. Like, he, he just gets me pumped up, gets me energized. And times when I think maybe I'll just close up shop and go home, he gets me through the next 15 minutes, hour, hour and a half, something like that to continue to push forward. He's just He's a great motivator. Mm -hmm. And I share some of his content with my students too, where I can. Mm -hmm. uh, Curse Free Gary V is now a channel. <laughs> he reacted to his audience and, and provides that now as well. My wife's going to be so happy. It, it's great. It's great. <laughs> you still get the energy. Uh, but yeah, empathy and, and gratitude is huge for me as well. It's, it, I was telling Josh earlier, it's, it's weird to say that this is my second career. Like I'm 37. I didn't think that I would be doing two, three, who knows, four different things in my life like I have uh, so far, but I love it. I finally figured out, thanks to opportunities and mentors, where the place was for me, mm -hmm. which ended up being Miami. I never, ever had imagined that I'd get the opportunity that I had, mm -hmm. but it was through uh, a friend who taught at Miami who said, hey, do you want to come talk to my Business 102 class? And I was like, yes, absolutely. And then immediately it was, holy cow, I don't, I want to do this, but I'm scared to death. Like, what if they think that I'm crazy or that I don't know what I'm talking about? And then I went and I actually did it and I fell in love with the, the 55 minutes I think I had with each one of those groups. And it was amazing. That turned into uh, an opportunity to interview for an open position, mm -hmm. which turned into that very first day teaching students at Miami, which I'll never forget. Had some of the greatest students of my life that very first day. Surrounded myself with uh, students who had taken that program before and helped me teach the class. Mm -hmm. And every single day, I'm thankful to that person that helped provide me with that opportunity to just speak to the group uh, in the beginning. In fact, I talked to her just a, a couple of days ago, and every time, I'm just, I want her to know how much it meant to me that she believed in me to even come talk to her class. Like, I believe in you and can't wait when, for you to do that as well. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it's, it's taken me where I am today. Let's give her a shout out. Who was it? Dr. Andrea Holschultz. Nice. She's amazing. Like you, to me, when I was younger, you were the cool big brother that mm -hmm. I wanted to be like when I grew up. Uh, when I was probably 13, 14, I was hanging out with uh, with the family of Holschultz, and Andrea was the first one to get a grown-up job. Mm -hmm. Like I remember her going through the interview process and, and uh, dressing up for the interview and t just telling me what it was like. And I wanted to follow in her footsteps. A few years after that, after my first career, 
we caught back up at a birthday party and that's when the invitation to speak happened. So I'm super thankful to Andrea for, for believing in me and giving me that opportunity. It got me to hear where I am today. Well, now you get to spend a lot of time in O-Town. And oh, so let's it. get like, I, I truly believe, you know, people tune into these podcasts, like we're getting ready to drive to Destin. It's about 11 hours, right? Uh, maybe 10, depending on how heavy my foot it's is. Great drive. Right? Oh, it is. It's like, drive. and you know, you're going to the beach to drive mm-hmm. home is what sucks because mm-hmm. you're a little sunburnt and a little more tired, you know, yep. from anyway. So, um, you know, we'll listen to a podcast on the way, right? And usually you get about eight minutes. And so we're, we're about eight minutes in, nine minutes in right now. So let's have a little fun. Okay. Let's do it. Let's talk about, you got one choice for a, a meal for lunch in Oxford. What is it? Go. Bagel and deli. Nice. What are you going with? Uh, I don't even know. Uh, I don't go as often as I should. Um, Have you tried the pizza bagel? Yeah. I I think that was probably the first one that I tried because that's what everybody tries when they go there. So good. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, I've probably been four or five times in the last couple of years just when I can, when the weather's nice and I can walk from Farmer Uptown to go to Bagel and Deli. But I mean, it's, everybody has to go there. All right. So, uh, when you're out studying and, and really hitting the books at one thirty in the morning, but you happen to get hungry. <laughs> Bricks what, across the street. Yeah. Yeah. What, what's your, deli. what's your go-to? What's your, what's your favorite meal late night? Oh man. In Oxford? In Oxford. Well, for the record, I'm not usually there at one thirty in the morning in Oxford. Um, but I, Shame on you. I know. I know. I, I should try that one of these days. So should I answer this for you then? Please do. Tell, tell me. Bruno's pizza is a must. Bruno's pizza. Bruno's pizza. It. Yes. Okay. Well, now, now I know where we're eating when I come up. Yes. Okay. So, uh, all right. If you happen to have an extra hour and you'd like to maybe have a, a, a cold pint. Yes. Where is your place that you would go have a cold pint? In I've Oxford? heard, I've heard brick is the place to go. Brick. You're up there. Yes. Okay. Brick right on high street. All right. Is apparently the place to be. I, I know several students who work there as well. All right. Um, so fun. the bars all have new up. names now since I was there cause I'm old. So <laughs> well, stadium I'll, was my spot. I don't know if that's still there. It was on, uh, I think that's poplar. So one of the things I think, uh, is, is crucial that we can, we can really unpack today is I feel like people mistake their true authentic conviction for what they've created as their conviction. And the way that to easy, easily explain this would be bending your narrative to get to the conclusion that you want. You know, I, I've got three kids and um, not only that, but even myself, you know, you, when you, when you do something stupid and then you have to explain it. And then after the fact, you're justifying what you did, even though it was wrong to justify the ends. So, you know, you, you know, m- manipulating the means to get to the end that you want. Right. I think we do that a lot. And I think kids now more than ever are faced with a major challenge in the social media world that they live mm, in yeah. is, is okay. I'm going to go to the school of business. I'm going to study this. I'm going to say that. And I remember asking somebody uh, that was going through the, the school of business. I said, well, what do you want to do when, you know, when you get out of school He's like, I, I want to be a businessman. I'm like, well, what does that even mean? Mm-hmm. You know? And there's all these words that are, that are uh, cliche. And when I say cliche, bad cliche, like salesperson, or, you know, I want to work in the, you know, in inner, inner, uh, inside sales, outside sales, whatever. When people don't realize that everything starts and ends with relationships and relationships are built from communication mm-hmm. and your communication cannot be effective, impactful, and longstanding if you're not real, because those chickens will come back to roost and people are going to sniff you out. 
For sure. Right? For sure. And that's why I think you see a lot of people changing careers, changing jobs so frequently is because, you know, the, the shtick's up. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, oh, I'm going to go somewhere new where they don't know me and I can be whoever I want there, right? Mm-hmm. So with these young people, it is so valuable that we talk about the importance of what is it about you that is going to help you make decisions? How do we program your computer, your, your software inside, so that it's spitting out better formulas, better equations, better results, right? And so when you're talking to these people, how many opportunities do you have and, and how do those conversations go when you're trying to mentor them to say, okay, don't just take this class so that you can get through the school of business, but start thinking about your path when you're done. Do you have those conversations a lot? A hundred percent. So one of the classes I teach is business 102, introduction to business communication and four modules. The second module that we teach is related to the job search. And I could say, go to monster.com or go to indeed and find a job at a company that you might be interested in. Mm-hmm. That's the wrong prompt. The prompt is what do you into? What do you find interesting? What job do you want down the road? Maybe a little forward thinking for him, but like right now, what do you find interesting? And find a company that does that, that does it in a way that you support. So instead of find P&G, which we know is right down the road and there's lots of jobs there, find a company wherever in the United States, because at this age, a lot of them can be mobile once they graduate, that does something that you're into, that you're interested in, where you can be you. I spent 15 years trying to figure out who I am in my career. And there were times where I'm not proud. I wasn't, I, I didn't stick to being who I wanted to be. I was who I thought my bosses wanted me to be. And as I think back and I try and share as many of those examples as possible, sitting in a boardroom, um, being a, a yes, sir, no, sir type person, as opposed to really sharing my thoughts, my feelings, how I think we can do, uh, something better than we may, may have done it before. I love the job. I love the job title. I love the salary. And I just did what I needed to do to get through the day. And I don't want my students to do that. I want them to find a place that they believe in where they can make an impact, where Mm -hmm. they can be their authentic selves as opposed to what they think other people want them to be. How strong do you think that influence has become with these kids that are in this TikTok world, this Instagram world, where they are at all costs, putting all this stuff out that's making everybody, you know, perceive somebody that they're not. I mean, for me, it's got to be a tireless thing. Like, I, I can't imagine carrying that burden, you know? And I mean, influencers are one thing. They want to do that for a living. That's fine. But like, they think I really thought they were out for a walk with their hair freshly done and their makeup done and the Starbucks drink is perfectly three quarters of the way full and they're just looking up into the air. Like, Nobody really believes that these are actual life moments, right? Mm-hmm. I understand the difference between a, a a social media influencer and then somebody that is like putting stuff out there to make people think one thing. Mm-hmm. I think the focus is so strong on what people want others to think that they're not focusing on what they want to think, right. right? And so how how much do you see that driving people in terms of like, you know, uh, like if you if you have an example off the head, obviously we won't, we won't bring up names. So do you have people that you think are, are going down a path and taking classes because they think that's going to lead them to the life that looks good for everybody around them? For sure. And when you say everybody that's around them, parents are a big motivator on why students go to college to begin with and the, the uh, major that they choose and potentially the company that they work for. And sometimes that's the right answer. Like sometimes 
the influence that your parents can have on you can point you in the right direction where you can be your authentic self, but only to choose a school and choose a program and choose a company to work at because you're told that's what you should do is not the right answer. You've got to critically think through that. You've got to figure out where your place is and what impact you want to make and use that, use those influences as um, a variable that you consider but not the only driving force. Mm -hmm. You have to look inside yourself. You have to look at what you support and what you're into and what you find interesting and where you want to make an impact before you make those big uh, jumps. As a, as a college student, freshman, sophomore year, and I, I'll give a, I give a lot of advice that I didn't take when I was younger, like getting to know my professors, going to office hours. I preach that in my class, in office hours when students come, on the podcast that we do, on social media, for the first year integrated core at Miami, I encourage my students get to know your um, your professors during office hours. Find an internship where it's low stakes. You're spending a month, two months, three months, perhaps testing out the market before you actually go and apply for that job after your junior or senior year. Mm-hmm. Like test it out. Get to know what you want to do before you jump in with both feet and find yourself in a position or at a job at a company that you were told you should do but you end up not really wanting to do for a long term. Yeah, it's crazy. We talked about this a little bit, and, and I'll ask you this because I, I can't remember if we talked about this detail. Uh, is the CPPO still there? I don't know what that is. That was the Career Placement and Planning Organization at Miami University. We have career services departments. Yep. It, as a function of Miami, it, maybe it just has a new name, but we have right. career services in the Farmer School of Business. And I tell my students at every school I've worked at, which this is now the fifth school, the career services department is the most underutilized department in college that I've ever seen. And it shouldn't be Mm -hmm. because they're there to help you look at opportunities, help prepare you to capture that opportunity, to crush it in the words of Gary V when you get that interview at the place that you want that internship or that job. The career services department plays a huge role if you invite them in to help you with that process. Yeah. I mean, a little bit about, and I will, I'll throw myself out there. I was, you know, uh, so my father passed away at a young age, right? We moved to Ohio, Westchester, Ohio, uh, at the age of eight years old, right? Uh, go to a great school, went to Lakota High School, ended up being able to, by way of a few transfers, end up at Miami University and never had a handout, never had any sort of, hey, here, I'm going to, you know, now my parents are great. I don't want that to be misunderstood with the fact that, you know, I didn't have support. I did. But financially, I mean, that was tough. You know, I was the first one in my family to even go to school. It wasn't as normal in 1994 and 1995 as it is now to just go to college. And so for me, when you grow up without having a lot of the handouts, without having that new car given to you at 16, without, you know, all those those, uh, silver spoons being shoved in your mouth, the one thing that you're driven by is money. Mm -hmm. I mean, I hate to admit it, but it's true. And on top of that, you know, I was an athlete, so... I was always, you know, I would say uh, in a crowd where I was respected, you know, but I worked hard for that. I worked hard for my reputation. I got along with everybody, not fake, just being friendly. I didn't think that was a difficult thing to be friendly. Uh, And then by the time I got to Miami, I thought, okay, now I'm in the golf game. So I was working at Heritage Club when that first started. I worked at Wetherington Country Club, and these were very nice country clubs, right? And so I was driven by... At the time, what I thought was the right thing, which I'm seeing all these guys driving up in their BMWs and Mercedes and Range Rovers and getting out, and I'm getting their clubs out and cleaning them. And I thought, one day, mm-hmm. I'm going to be that guy. And let me tell you something. 
I'm that guy now, and I could care less. You know what? Only thing I care about my health, my kids. You know, having the financial freedom to be able to go and watch them grow up and do things with my wife and do so it's crazy how the things that motivate you as a young person are not the things once you have them that you even care about, yep. right? Oh yeah. But it took me a little while to get there, and the CPPO at the time was was invaluable because I had all these interviews from the people that were members at these clubs. That's why I went and worked there, mm-hmm. right? I was a scratch golfer. I could, I could, you know, uh, show off my personality a little bit. That was one of the things I'm not as good at math, but I was at interpersonal communication, right? Mm-hmm. And I got these interviews with Pfizer, uh, with with uh, Procter and Gamble, General. Like I got all these job offers, and I ended up getting connected after somebody spent 45 minutes saying, "What is it about you? What do you want to do?" And I found an interview with this small company, uh, insurance-based company called Horace Mann. And it was just an outside sales job and it was a commission only job. But I met with this guy, his name was Dean Suris. And if he's out there and he's listening to this, Dean took a minute to interview me at what you call brick now, but I call it attractions because that's what it was called back in 1997, 98. And we spent 45 minutes there. I felt bad for him because he, he, he was get, picking up a tab for everybody, but they all went to P&G. He was sitting there by himself. I felt terrible for the guy. Wow. And so I bellied up and spent 40 minutes with him and ended up saying, you know what? I'm, I want to work for you. I want to make you proud. And he stuck with me for my first year in the business. And I'll never forget it. But it started with f- focus on you, not on the logo of the company that you're going to be representing, right? And so it's good to hear that. But you are now 37. Mm-hmm. You're at Miami University. And you have a huge story to tell. I mean, geographically and otherwise, you've gone through a lot of changes. Tell us about your path a little bit and your navigation to find your authentic self. So I think the last time I actually went through the process of searching for a job, applying for a job, and interviewing for a job with somebody I didn't know was probably my very first job. So networking, finding mentors, uh, communicating, and finding people that you trust is huge. It's huge. From the very first time uh, I, I got that first job, it was an admissions representative at University of Phoenix, also in Westchester. I drive by the building often and think about the people that I met there. Uh, they helped. I was clear in my intentions. My, who became my wife, had moved to Florida, um, and that's where I wanted to get to. And they helped me get there because they knew what, who I wanted to be, what I, how I wanted to be successful, and how I wanted to get to to Florida. They make, made that happen. Um, the next job after University of Phoenix at South University with, was with people that I had met prior. They helped groom me into that next role and provide those opportunities. That took me then to Brown Mackey College here in Cincinnati where I found mentors along the way. And I have stayed connected to those mentors to make sure, one, that they keep me grounded, but two, they also are continuously pushing me to be a better version of myself. My path is because of the people that I've surrounded myself with. I can't, I can't preach any more about the importance of finding good mentors. Like You have to surround yourself with people that you want to be. Like you did when you were working at Heritage or at, or, or at Weatherington, mm-hmm. you surrounded yourself with people who you wanted to be doing the things that you wanted to do. Now you learn lessons along the way, right? Like mm-hmm. that at a, at a point, eventually it's not about the material things. It's about the opportunities. It's about the, the time that you get back to be able to see your kids grow up and, 
and play sports. I'm getting to that point too, but along the way, staying very close to the people that helped me get to where I am today. So this is a question that, that I always want to ask people. And again, you being 37 years old, sitting here right now, which I can't believe you're 37, by the way. I still, I still think either. you're like 30 and you're, you, you're kind of a jerk because you still got great hair and <laughs> you know, you know, you got, you got the God's blessed you in many ways, man. So, uh, you're doing well, but, but, um, you, you, like I said, you had your journey. Mm-hmm. The question is, is can you pinpoint, it doesn't have to be a day or a, or a, or a you know, a certain mark on the calendar, but can you remember a roundabout age where you thought, I'm kind of getting to understand who I really am? I think there's probably a couple times that come to mind. Uh, as an entrepreneur, that was uh, probably, I was about 18 years old. Now, I, I had done some uh, commission only jobs. And that's a grind. And mm-hmm. I have mad respect for you for doing that, especially in your first big role. Um, my first entrepreneurial venture, uh, we were called extreme style car audio and performance. I mean, I was 18. My friend was probably 21. And I have very few regrets in my life. One of them is quitting baseball too early. Uh-huh. I know. I stood and watched a, a game the other day when my daughter was playing soccer. There was like 20 to 30-year-olds playing baseball, full uniforms, everything. In yeah. Warren County, it was amazing. Yeah. Uh, but Can I, I guess the age real quick? Because we haven't talked about this. Can I guess the age you quit? Sure. 13. It, it was 16. Okay. It was right. 16. But it was the greatest season of my life. Maybe 17. I mean, yeah. I played freshman so ball. I played year, JV sophomore, ball. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and I, and I loved it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I played at Lakota West and, and loved it. But I had the option of continue to play sports or have a car, a nice car, like that I put now at nice back then was exhaust and wheels and for whatever reason wanting to be noticed as I drive down the road. Let's talk about the speakers in a little bit here, right? I mean, like, I, I got you. I did have some 12-inch subwoofers and the... They were they were uh, Infinity Kappa Perfects. Okay. 12s, yeah, right. top of the line. <laughs> you get what you pay for, right? That's right. But, oh, my gosh. Uh, so I made that choice that I was going to... Uh, go the route of working, making money, and investing in a car. Uh, the valuable lesson from that was people started asking questions like, how did you do that? Or where did you get those speakers from? And I saw that. It was my very first opportunity as an entrepreneur to say, I can get it for you. Mm-hmm. And that was a time when eBay first came out. And it's crazy in 2021 to talk about when eBay first came out. But I was a 17, 18-year-old. And... No companies, no distributors were going to sell to a 17 or 18 year old that didn't have a brick and mortar store back then. I tried. I tried to contact some people. So what I found was this eBay thing that had just come out where I could buy head units and speakers and some performance parts for cars on eBay and sell them for retail. 18 years old, I figured out I could make a little bit here, a little bit there. That's where the entrepreneurial journey began, Mm -hmm. buying on eBay, selling to people few years fast forward buying from stores selling on ebay and then amazon comes buying on ebay and selling on amazon the journey the entrepreneurial journey is keeping an eye on where people are buying from and where those deals are and mm-hmm. and it's it became uh sh- just short of an obsession because it was a challenge everywhere i went i was looking for an opportunity to do the flip game mm-hmm. turned into my my business now buying and selling books which uh, I like reading. I like listening more than I like reading, but I like to hold a book in my hand. And when an opportunity presented itself to 
um, buy a lot of books and sell them on Amazon, I jumped on it. Mm-hmm. And I've now turned it into uh, four years in business, um, which has been a blast so far. So on the entrepreneurial side of things, which is kind of the other half of my life, uh, that's how it started and got to, to where I am today. On the, on the education side, uh, I always worked at schools, always uh, took advantage of opportunities to develop develop my leadership skills and um, enroll in academic programs that helped me get to that next point. Like I never thought I would have a doctorate in education. Like that mm-hmm. was never the plan. In fact, I was at Miami. I was in an intro to business course very similar to what I teach. And I thought I wanted to be an architect because I, I job shadowed the architect that built Lakota East and Lakota West. I was like, oh, this would be cool. Then I realized it was going to be like six or seven years of college and said, "Mm -mm." well, 10 years later, I now have my doctorate degree and I'm teaching at Miami University. But along the way, there were people that helped me uh, develop as a leader, Mm -hmm. people I stay in contact still today in business, as well as people in the classroom that helped push me along the way. Like I wouldn't be here along that journey without those people. Like I had mentioned, it's it's all about the mentors and opportunities. So you talked about relationships, 100%. It's about the people you surround yourself and maintain those relationships with along the way. You know, it's interesting too. I, I saw this um, whole thing on Instagram today about Warren Buffett, you know, his basic rules of life, you know, uh, and, 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 but the caption was, is, you know, if he's worth a hundred billion dollars, okay, he'd give 99 billion to be 40 again, mm-hmm. you know, and we're, I'm 43, I'll be 44 in a little over a month. And over the last few weeks, not to get in, into a lot of personal detail, but been um, going through some health issues that I'm trying to work through and battle through. And it's amazing. I, you know, I heard this, uh, my wife shared it with me. It said, you know, people say that I feel like when I'm just starting to make progress and, and, and I can't get any further, I keep hitting a wall. Mm-hmm. And you may have heard this. And then the response is, well, maybe that wall is there so you can rest against it. Oh, love that. And I thought, wow, that's a powerful line. I really, really like that. And uh, for me, it's like I, I do, and this is just my faith. But I think I feel like God, you know, gives you those walls so you can rest against them for a minute, and then figure out how you're going to get around it. I've never been one to say, "Oh, there's an obstacle, got to quit." In fact, I, it might be it. My my daughter embraces this more than me, and almost scares me. Like she will at at all cost win. Mm-hmm. at all costs, whether it's an argument or a beef she has with somebody or a soccer game or whatever it is, she ain't losing, right? That's why I pity the kid that ever wants to get in a fight with her. <laughs> she will she will find a way to win, you yeah. know? Sometimes that can be bad because it, it, it forces you out of maybe a logical space. And in a win at all costs, while it's great, it kind of forces you into a place where you're going to keep pushing through the wall instead of maybe realizing... I need to step away for a minute, you know, and I feel like, and the main point that I grab from that, and I'd like to hear from you is, you know, I get, I get 99% of my lessons at home. You know, people, if you ask people that don't know me as well, they would maybe say like for you, you might remember athlete, you know, um, you, you, you kind of grew up in the time where I was playing sports and I was coaching sports, whatever. Mm-hmm. A lot of people that have known me after the age of, you know, let's call it uh, 30 years old would say uh, businessman right? Mm-hmm. Uh, my kids that I coach in baseball would say coach, right? You ha- everybody, I, you know, identifies differently with you, but I gain more of my lessons in life that apply to all areas from my home, you know? And I think that it, I did a, a, an episode with my wife because 
of the importance of having your conviction at home, which is where your heart is, right? Most of the time, even if you're physically not there, that's what you're doing your, your thing for, whatever it is. So how much of that, uh, that accountability, that authenticity, can you really, uh, you know, tie back to the home life that you've created with your family? Well, let me first say I'm married up. Okay. I definitely I know. up there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. uh, Welcome to the club. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I don't know how that happened, but I'm very thankful uh, that it did. Uh, home is super important. You have to have everything working at home before you even you know, try and, and, and find um, success outside. Like if, if it's not, if it's not good there, you're not going to be yourself, your full self outside. So I, uh, I, I married a, an amazing woman who holds me accountable who will speak and say, listen, you really need to rethink what you're doing right now. And mm-hmm. I appreciate that. I, For me, I have to have that partner in life that's going to say, this is going to call me out on, on my stuff that I need to fix. Um, adversity makes us uh, stronger. It helps us prepare for the next time where we're going to find that wall. And even more, it gives us an opportunity to help others when they're going through any type of adversity. When they find their wall, it's important for me to be there for those people, for those people that I care about, that I love, for those students, for those people that I work with. If they need me and I've gone through something similar, I'm more than willing to step up and be right there for them mm-hmm. because I want them to learn from those walls that they run into as well so the next time they can pass that on to the next person where they may be looked at as a friend, as a mentor, as a partner um, to to better prepare those people along the way. We're, we're better together, right? Mm-hmm. That whole, that whole phrase, I live by that. We're better together that if we share in, in the, uh, the opportunities to be stronger, to, uh, develop relationships, to face adversity, we're going to come out ahead. I think maybe J rock could work in some Jack Johnson into maybe a clip that we could put on to, uh, on that, that we're better together. Anyway, in, in case you haven't heard that song, I'll be listening to a lot of Jack Johnson on spring break next week. So, nice. uh, yeah, we'll find a way to work that in. But, um, you know, we, we, we talked earlier about all the, all the people that live that Instagram life and mm-hmm. shame on me for not being authentic and, and, and going a different route with you. But we've talked about all the great things, you, you know, your hustle, your side hustles and everything you've been able to do. Tell me about one of your aha moments where you're like, oh my gosh, I screwed that up. I mean, you have to have one or two of those, right, along the way? Oh, I'm sure. Um, and, and I try and remember those as much as I can to uh, to keep me grounded and make sure that I'm uh, still willing to take risks. Uh, I don't think of a lot of them along the way, but I, there, were, there were definitely times um, when I was in an executive role uh, sitting in an, a, uh, a boardroom um, asked for my opinion and asked for my input. And, uh, for the sake of not rocking the boat, I held back and I worked at an organization that failed as in had thousands of employees, um, up to 28 campuses at one time across the United States. And we shut our doors. And when I think about the opportunities I had to speak up, that was definitely a failure. When I, I took the safe route, I took Mm -hmm. the safe route and I didn't speak up. I didn't go against, the person who was leading the organization at the time, because I was afraid, not for, not good fear, bad fear. Like mm-hmm. I was afraid I was going to get fired. Mm-hmm. I was afraid that I wasn't going to have that comfortable job anymore. I was thinking about me as opposed to everybody else that was obviously impacted when we didn't have a business anymore. And focus on the, on what could be a negative result. Of course. Not the process. You were focused on the negative result. Yep. I was, a, I was afraid of failing 
um, for the uh, very, um, I was being selfish, mm-hmm. you know, I was worried about myself and not how I could improve something for other people. And it was because I was, I was insecure, even in that role. I was an executive in an organization. Like I had a lot of responsibility. I was expected to sit at that table and challenge the other people that were sitting there. Um, but I was afraid to, I was afraid to speak up. I've learned to never compromise who I am as a person anymore. Yeah. And I'll tell the people I work with, I'll tell my customers, I'll tell my students that like, I'm going to be me now mm-hmm. um, because I spent way too much time trying to be what I thought other people wanted me to be. And you know, that works with some people and it doesn't with others, but I'm not afraid anymore. I'm comfortable with who I am. And I truly believe that when I'm my authentic self, I'm at my best. I'm going to find the most value. I'm going to find the best opportunities. I'm going to make the biggest impact on people that I possibly can by being me. Mm -hmm. We talked earlier about, you know, we live 80% of our life between what happens between the stimulant, right? And Mm -hmm. the response. Mm -hmm. And, what is our response going to be? And uh, blew your mind with some science earlier, huh? You didn't think I had that in me. I know. Talking about the brain and, yeah. the amygdala and cortisol. The amygdala, I mean, the, the amygdala. Are we going to live that space in our amygdala, fight or flight, all the time? Which you need that, and you mm-hmm. can't really control it. I mean, our, our, our strongest ability that we're given, our strongest God-given ability when we come out is survival. Mm-hmm. People don't realize that that is the, that is the strongest thing that you're given is your ability. When you're cold, what do you do? You put a blanket on even to the point. Now this is even, this is odd and I'm going somewhere with this, I promise. But I ask people, so I'll be in the water hopefully a little bit next week. Right? So what happens when your hands are in the water a long time? They get pruny. Do you know why? Tell me. You don't know, right? I I didn't know. know either. So people think, oh, they're just wet. Well, no, your whole hand gets wet. Why do the tips of your fingers get pruny? That is your brain sending a response to the tips of your fingers to get better grip while you're in the water because it realizes that you need better grip because your hands are wet. Wow. You talk about sophistication, and it's like that is a that is that I mean, that is the brain at work being logical about sending a response to a stimulant, mm-hmm. right? Yet I have to talk to my 16-year-old daughter about every other month about don't live in your amygdala relax. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I even point to scripture sometimes my favorite, one of my favorite, but we were reading all the way through John and one of my favorite, I wish I knew, I think it's, uh, I think it's John. I want to say it's chapter six or seven. I should know this and I apologize. I don't where, uh, it's the story of the woman who is the adulterer, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and she was brought in front and they're always trying to trap Jesus. Right. And yep. they're saying, Oh, stone or stone or stoner. And, and, and so he, uh, they weren't calling her a stoner. They were saying stone her. Right. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so, you know, w- w- there's a moment there though, where he just simply cr- gets down into a down position and just kind of messes around in the dirt, you know? Mm-hmm. And I used to always wonder, what is he writing? And now I realize it's not what he's writing. He's, he's, he never did anything by accident. Mm-hmm. I think that moment is just relax for a second. Think through things, right? That, that, that stimulus and response, can we be logical in those decision-making processes? And so when we can battle through those, like I tell my daughter, this is just a season. Like for me, I've gone through major, major changes here professionally, going back to what you said. And if funny thing is, is sometimes your unselfish decisions are viewed as selfish when in reality, you're the one going through the ringer for what you know is right Mm -hmm. for the long run. Not for the instant gratification, but for the long run. And I've had to go through that. I'm going through that now. 
and and doing that in a way where it's logical, it's not emotional or or very uh, I would say short term, you know. And I have been steadfast like you were through that process, but getting to that point between stimulus and response where you can actually be logical, man, isn't that a great space? And yeah. you talk about a group that doesn't do a good job of that, by and large, college students. <laughs> sure, sure. You got to find your your uh, your way to get away and to relax so you're in a good state of mind to make decisions before you react. Like for me, I need to take a walk. Like if I if there's a situation where you know that fight or flight um, kicks in, I realize I've, I've got to a point where I realize I need to take a walk. I need to get away. Maybe I probably shouldn't listen to Gary V at the time cause that wouldn't help. Uh, but I need some silence. I need to take a walk, calm myself down, gather, uh, my thoughts before I react. And yeah, college students, some of them, probably most of them, uh, need to figure out their way to take a walk, to call a family member, to talk to a friend, whatever it is for them. It's a very individual thing before they respond to gather their thoughts, calm down, and find the positive, find the opportunity in whatever that situation might be. But, mm -hmm. yeah, reacting right away, I mean, I, I've been a teenager. I've been a 20-something. I've been a 30-something, too, where I've made the wrong decision and had that snap reaction. Uh, people have a long memory. And when we talk about building relationships, if you don't take the time to develop and cultivate those relationships and you make snap judgments or snap responses back, could hurt those relationships long term. Mm -hmm. So find a way to calm down, walk away, react uh, when the time is right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's so. I, you know, again, I, I even when I'm going to be talking to your students, you know, it's I'm not. I'm going to go out of my way to not have PowerPoint, <laughs> to not have you know pocket full of notes. Mm -hmm. I'd rather prepare myself for the message that I'm trying to send and do it more anecdotally than 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 you know, having to fact check every, every step of the way it's, here's the path, here's how you can get there, you know, and what do you value? What, what is, what is most valuable to you? I have people all the time pick on me. Even my, my wife picks on me about my inability to do anything beyond a hammer, a screwdriver or a drill, you know, <laughs> for the record, I have effectively used a wet saw on numerous occasions. Okay. Doing some tile work. And I, a little bit, nice. a little bit, I had to do it twice. So they say, <laughs> if you have to do it twice, it's, it, you're about break even as it, you know, if you paid for it the first time, but the reason why I've never really, you know, gotten in that number one, I was holding a baseball bat or putting on wrestling shoes every summer from eight years old until 18. So I just didn't have the luxury of going out and working on houses and doing stuff. Mm -hmm. I just didn't, I was working on my sports. Um, which I'm glad I did, you know, it taught me as much, if not more about me and myself, myself, my life, my path, who I am, what I'm made of. Mm -hmm. uh, but I also understand the time value of money and my time is the most valuable thing that I have. And so what I want these kids to understand, and hopefully they, you know, give them some extra credit for listening to this. And this message is, is directly to young people that are listening to this is that the earlier you figure out what's most valuable to you and who you are as a person the more, the less time you're going to waste and the more time you can relish in that, you know, we should revel in the things that we love the most. I mean, is there any greater joy than having a day with your, with your, with your wife, a nice date night or, or seeing the joy in your chin, your kid's eyes when they accomplish something, or, you know, for me, it's being with my team here and, and we accomplish something revel in that, you know, and, and, and the earlier you can get to that, it doesn't mean there's not going to be bumps in the road. But the earlier you can figure out who you are and not worry about what everybody else is saying about you and what they think you are or what they want you to be, mm -hmm. 
parents included, mm-hmm. right? 100%. I'm not going Gary Vee and tell them the F off, okay? <laughs> parents play an important role in people's lives, both good and bad, and there's a way to communicate, you know, that can be effective. But the earlier you figure that out, the better. So now that now that you're 37, I will ask you, and you're, you're a cheater, so you've already listened to some of these. <laughs> what are those five things that are so awesome about Justin McLaughlin that have enabled you to get where you are? What's, what's awesome about you, Justin? So humility is huge. So I don't know that I could answer what's awesome about me. Um, but if I can get close, I guess I could, could come up with, with five things. Uh, one, and it fits perfectly, right? I, I'm always going to be myself now. Like, I'm going to be authentic. I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. Uh, I've developed. Now, at, at the beginning of my classes every single semester, I say, listen, I know this might be hard to believe, but I don't know everything. Like, I'm learning. Like, we're learning together. So I I realize that I have a lot to learn, and I, I recognize that. I think that's so important to look at an opportunity, to look at a class, to look at a business relationship, to look at personal relationships as you've got some work to do is critically important for me. So I'm always going to be authentic. I'm going to tell you. Uh, what I uh, what I think and how I can help you as a person. Like, I, I want to be a positive impact on people's lives. I've had all of those people along the way that have been a positive impact on me. I want to be that sort of person. If you want me to be, I tell my students this, if you want me to be that professor who you look back and you think about, man, this person had a great impact on my life, let me know because I'm more than willing to do that. So I'll always be authentic. Uh, I, I'm always looking for opportunities and um I tell my students this all the time too. All you have to do is look around. Like case in point, uh, teaching at Miami, again, super blessed that I even get that opportunity. Teach the one-on-one class and we were using podcasts because I love podcasts because I don't have to read anything. I can drive and listen. I can walk and listen. I can do other things and still get a lot out of, out of a podcast. I saw us using other podcasts, like from other people. Mm-hmm. I think that's important to get the perspective of other people when you're learning business, not just the person who's standing in front of the class or the pr- person who grades your projects. So I like that. But I thought, why don't we have our own podcast for the first year integrated core at Miami? Found somebody I really trust that all, also taught. We sat at the baseball field and talked about the first year integrated core podcast. There's opportunities all around you, no matter if you're going to school or you're working, keep your eyes open. So I, I've developed that mindset. Um, what else? Uh, I'm going to be there to listen. I think it's important to be able to vent, mm-hmm. right? Especially now. Like there's so many pressures uh, that, that you face, whether you're 18 or you're, you're in your 40s, mm-hmm. that it's important to have that person that you can talk to. Mm-hmm. Friends, students, if you want me to just listen so you can get it off your chest, go for it. I'll be that person for you. If you want to know what I really think, I'll give you that too, uh, as well. I think I have a a lot of experiences, good and bad that I can share. So, uh, as much as a mentor I can possibly be that, that makes me who I am as well. And then, um, as much as possible, I, I think I'm, um, as grounded as I possibly can be. Like I live in the moment, but I'm also thinking long-term and I realize that success comes with hard work and with good people surrounding me. And, um, I'm not doing it on my own. Like God has put me here in this moment to, to talk with you on the podcast, to get to know 
Josh. I, like I see this as an opportunity. So um, I, I, I have to be, I can't do this all on my own. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I try and stay as grounded as in, in, in the moment as I possibly can. Well, I think you do that. And I, it's funny, you showed me a picture of the, of the avatar that your students made for you, which is cool because it's you rocking a flat bill and you got the, you know, and if I drew, drew that picture, it'd be almost basically what I'm looking at right now. <laughs> you'd have that Sandra hat on, you'd have some Jordans on, yep. right? And, and that's because you know who you are, yep. you know, and you think about like for me, my professors, none of my professors look like you. They looked more like, you remember the shrinks that, that, uh, Will Hunting saw, you went and sure. saw in Good Will Hunting. Sure. That's what my professors look like, at, you know, back in the day. And it's not a knock on them, but you know, you've kind of broken that mold. And I, and I would assume that if I walked on campus and I can't wait to get back, mm-hmm. that there's probably more like you, sure. you know, because I think people have realized I can be who I am and it doesn't change what's inside my mind. It doesn't change the value that I add. Now, I joked earlier, I said I got my uniform on, right? There's a, there's a place in time where I need to look like this. But you and I at Sonder, you'll see, you'll you'll know this. I'm going to be wearing a t-shirt, jeans, and Jordans with a flat bill. Yep. You know, and I, I realized mine came at about 32 or 33 and I realized you know, I can be who I want to be in the evenings and weekends. That's my time. And I'm not going to feel uneasy or feel judged. If I happen to run into a client or somebody that says, oh my gosh, look at that guy in his ball cap and his Jordans on. This is who I am. And by the way, it doesn't change one thing or my ability to communicate to people about how to properly distribute their wealth and protect their wealth and grow their wealth. Mm -hmm. Because I'll still say, I think we can do it better than anybody. Right. Um, Even to that level, not to get too specific on that, I feel like we are so much different here because we're not afraid to buck trends. We're not afraid to what I call tip over sacred cows. The things that people hold so dear as as truisms, but they're 40 year old ideas and philosophies that are now antiquated based on where the economy is. Right. Mm -hmm. And that conviction allows you to deliver a message that may not be popular. Right. So let's get into those as we come to a close here. So I want to, I want to do this little something with you. You did a pretty good job of finding some things that, that make you awesome. You still hesitated a little bit, which I get a lot. And we're going to go to the streets when we go to Oxford and just ask people randomly, what makes you awesome? And just see how they respond. Love it. Because people aren't able to respond in a way where they can actually understand and, and articulate what makes them great, right? But I would say, let's create a playbook for your people because you're going to give them extra credit for listening in to the great Do- Dr. Justin McLaughlin. So let's give them some nuggets. You ready? I'll hit lead off. We'll go back a few times. Let's talk about um, some do's and don'ts of what they can do to make the most of their four years. Fair? Sure. Okay. I'm going to start off with a don't. Okay. Okay. Mr. Positivity, I'm still going to start off with a don't because I think it is a positive in the end. Students, don't go through and pick your classes based on what sounds cool (laughs) when you tell people what you're studying. Because your major may or may not have anything to do with what you end up having a passion for as a professional. It is unbelievable. We are with Dr. McLaughlin, who will tell you that when he was 18, 19, 20, probably had no clue what courses he should have chosen. None. And now is is a is a is a honest expert on side hustle and will eventually be a, a tenured professor based on my prediction on how great you are at what you do. So you know, it used to sound so cool. Oh, I'm taking economics and I'm taking accounting and I'm taking, you know, whatever marketing. It's like study what you want to study your ability to control who you are and how you can control an interview and the relationship building that you want after the fact will help you more than anything that you're studying with the exception. I'm assuming this is going out to mainly business people 
If you want to be an engineer, you need to take engineering classes. If you want to be a doctor, you need to take pre-med. But as it relates to business class, business students, entrepreneur spirits, you know, you need to do what is right for you and what matches you. So do or don't. I'll give you a do. And I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but I'll expand on it. So do get to know your professors more than just in the classroom. So do go to office hours. Do get to know your academic advisor. And do not uh, just look for classes that are on Tuesdays and Thursdays because you want the easiest possible schedule. <laughs> I did that. Okay. These are real lessons. Yep. But when you're thinking about uh, what classes are most appropriate for what you want to do long term, Surround yourself with people who help you make really good decisions and your professors and your academic advisors. And I know them well at Farmer. They, they want to help you pick the best possible classes for you, not the ones that help with class size or help get you out of Miami as quick as possible. So surround yourself with people who help you make those good decisions. Yep. All right. I'll give a do and then you can end with a don't. How Got about it. that? All right. Do get involved and figure out a way that you can take one, two, or three or four ideas, surround yourself with a group that's like-minded, and give it a whirl. The one thing that I couldn't do in 95, 96, 97, 98 was utilize the technology that exists today. You know, you have an idea. My son just came home and said he has an idea. He's, we bought, I bought eight domains the other night for 80 bucks. It's the best money I've ever spent because my son is now taking gaming controllers and he's going to customize them for people and then resell them on the open market. I'm like, this is awesome. I'm going to have a business meeting with him. We're going to have a full on discussion about how we can make this work. Um, I have Cincy custom controllers. I've got, I got like eight domains, mm -hmm. right? Why not give it a whirl? And I think that people are worried about failing instead of just saying, I'm going to take 12 at bats. And if I get, if I get punched out nine times and fine, three worked, right? So do, take chances and do get involved in areas that are, that are business related in some way or some capacity that could be an internship, right? I would say take unpaid internships to prove that you're committed to it, right? But get involved and be entrepreneurial in all those, all those areas that you can, whether it's the summer or after hours or whatever, it's going to feed you and it's going to get you uh, to, to, to a place of wisdom because of some of the failures and some of the lessons you're going to learn. So stay involved and stay engaged and don't be afraid of failure. All right, I get a don't. Yep. Wrap this up with a don't. It's funny, I, I have uh, over the years learned to be a better listener than a speaker because you get so much more out of it when you're, when you're, think, when you're having a conversation instead of thinking about what you're going to say next, actually listen to the person who's speaking. So my don't is pretty similar to your do, uh, but my don't is don't waste your four years. Don't waste those years. It's not about getting a piece of paper. It's not about doing the minimum possible thing to get the, the grades to graduate. Take advantage of those opportunities you have in and outside of the classroom. Get to know people. Get involved in student organizations. Any, This is a lesson that I learned in my doctorate. Like I wish I would have learned it earlier. Any opportunity you have to use class assignments or class projects to do something that you really are into or you really love, do that. If you're building upon how you want to be up a professional in the financial world, focus on that along the way. Do not waste your four years and do the absolute minimum. Push yourself, get connected, and maximize every opportunity you possibly can while you're in school. It's going to go by so quickly. No matter if it's four years, six years, ten years, it's going to go by so quickly. Make sure that you're maximizing the time that you have. Don't waste it.
I'll end with an entertaining do. Let's do it. Do wear Air Jordans as much as you can to class. And Dr. McLaughlin is going to give you extra credit for that as well. So uh, wear those Jordans and, and, uh, and don't worry about buying the off-whites and the ones you can't afford yet. <laughs> get your side hustle down first and then start to buy the ones that, that you can't get in the mall later. All right. So, you know, uh, if they're wearing their uh, Jordan ones, I already know. Uh, we already <laughs> had that conversation. Noticer. Absolutely. You're a noticer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so this has been great. I, I'll tell you, um, you know, I'm, I, I can't wait to get engaged with, with the university more. You know, I've always had this, um, you know, I feel like when you're blessed and you're given, um, I would say, the opportunity to give back. I mean, the whole idea of this Authentic Conviction podcast, and I mean this, mm-hmm. isn't because we're, I mean, we don't charge a thing for it. I, we invest our time. I mean, Josh is right here across from us. You're sitting here. People are investing their time because this is an intellectual asset that we can share with people, you know? And I feel like the more that you're given, the more you should give back. And I feel like that that's not just with your own family, with your own, your own employees, your own people that you partner with and team with, but even going back to, to, to my roots. And I, I can't wait to get more involved. The fact that, you know, God put our paths together again is amazing. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see where it takes us. Um, I really appreciate you spending your time here. I'm excited to see where this goes. We're going to have some, some other nice footage from, from our time that we spend on campus and, and doing your podcast and speaking there and Hey, maybe even bellied up at, uh, at what, what we call now, uh, the, Brick Street? Brick. Brick. Yep. All right. We call it Brick. Brick. All right. So we'll have we'll have more to come behind the scenes. And I will not be wearing this. I will be in my flat bill and a pair of Jordans when I'm on campus. I'll uh, hold you to that. Not when I'm speaking to your people, but after the fact. How about that? Sounds like a plan. All right. So thanks for being here, Justin. I really appreciate everything. Uh, can't wait to listen to this back, man. So it's been fun. Yeah. Cheers, man.